Daniel Chacon. Welcome to Words on a Wire. Today I have two very special guests, one who is currently joining us from Mexico City, uh, Ileana Pichardo Urrutia, a poet and a, a, a non-fiction writer. Ileana, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Daniel. I'm happy to be here. And then on the other side of the continent in El Paso, Texas, we have with us Claudia um, Flores. Uh, and uh, Claudia, welcome to Words on a Wire. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Words on a Wire. Words on a Wire. Now, both of you are first year students in the bilingual MFA in creative writing that we have here at UTEP. And um, both of you joined during the pandemic when things were locked down, when borders were closed, when social security offices were closed, when, um, when the university was closed. So your very first year in the program, you got to meet how many faculty and other students face-to-face? -face? I haven't met anyone yet. Uh, and Claudia, have you met anybody yet? You've been working with me now for almost a year, and I don't think I have ever seen you in person. No. Um, I know some of the faculty of the creative writing program from my undergrad experience, but as a graduate student, uh, I haven't had the chance to meet you, to meet other professors, and to meet my my peers, of course. Right, right. And in an MFA program like ours, we have students that come from Latin America, students come from Europe and from throughout the Americas. And then we have some people who are from the region, from El Paso and Juarez, like Claudia. Uh, and we create a community. We all have this conference room on the top floor of the education building where people come and they have lunch or they make coffee and they just sit around. We have discussions there um, and we, we build a community, but we have not been able to do that since you have been here. We have not been able to build communities in different ways. So we need to find alternate ways to build communities, doing Zoom meetings, um, uh, using all kinds of different platforms in order to communicate with other writers and to communicate in our workshops and in our graduate seminars. How have you found that uh, working that way? What, what, do you, what do you think is, is, is uh, the advantage of working that way? And what is the disadvantage? I think technology is such a useful tool nowadays. I, I think we never imagined that we would be taking class via Zoom. I don't think we we ever thought that we were gonna meet like on a Sunday night with my peers like via Zoom just to chat because we've done that in, in, in the meeting room. So it is very strange to do this, especially because I mean, I've worked with Eliana the whole semester. I've worked with you for a full year and we haven't met face to face. Right. But we, we, we've been able to create this sense of um, of community and also this human connection through the through the screen. So it's kind of crazy, but it is it is truly a, a blessing to have such uh, amazing tools like Zoom that I never thought I would be able to use like for school or meeting people. Yeah, and I think that with our, our, our use of it and our use of these technologies that the likelihood that it's gonna go back 100% to what it used to be like is incredibly slim. 
Ileana, you're in Mexico City, and had this been a normal year, you would have come in the fall, you would have uh, found an apartment in, in El Paso, Texas, brought your family with you. Uh, I know you have children and uh, you have a partner, but you didn't get to do that. You're still in Mexico City. So how does it feel to be a part of a program, a residential program where you are actually an employee of the University of Texas El Paso with your TA ship? How does it feel? What's it like doing that and, and having never stepped on, on uh, UTEP soil? <laughs> Well, it's been really crazy. Yes, I, I was supposed to, to begin the MFA uh, on September, but as, as you said, I, I, I wasn't able to. So it, it was really a challenge at first uh, when I uh, began on January, because it's been a while since I, I studied. So going back to school and doing it remotely and um, as you said, I, I, I don't really know the campus or my peers or my teachers. And also I, I'm taking a, a memoir class and poetry classes. And I've had to write a lot of, about myself uh, this time. So to open up uh, with people I, I don't really know. Um, at first it was like a bit strange, but as Claudia said, I found like a lot of empathy and um, a truly receptive uh, community an open space to, to feel really um, included. And it, it's hard to be like so far away, but um, I'm really grateful to, to to have begun on January, and um, I, I really love it. We have in our university an online MFA, 100% online MFA. We have about 60 to 70 students who are sprinkled throughout the United States and, and some of them uh, throughout the world. But the difference between them and your experience is you as residential students actually receive TA-ship, which means that you work with the department and you will either teach or help a professor with research, or in this case, both of you are, I'm very fortunate that both of you are working with me on Words on a Wire and other projects, that, which we'll get to later. Um, so it's a completely different experience. It's for, the, for the online students, there's no difference during the pandemic, at least insofar as their classes are concerned, and their classes generally are not synchronous. They usually have a week to go in and do their work, whereas a residential, we sit around a table we talk about our work and we talk about ideas and we're still doing that only virtually through via Zoom. And one of the surprising, I think, reactions that many, many people are having that are forced to work from home, forced to get on Zoom and to communicate with the screen is that they're actually enjoying it more and don't want to go back. I know my wife is a good example. She's a teacher and she taught online. And yes, it was frustrating to teach pre-K kids online, but she did not want to go back because she liked being at home. Do you like being at home or do you wish you were here? I think for me, I like being home, but uh, I like to have a routine. So for me, it was always about home is to chill, relax, doing my stuff at home, but school is where I work. So it's two different environments that right now it's all like fused in one so for me it does create conflict and it is funny because I never thought I would miss going to campus <laughs> I, I yeah like I never imagined that I, at some point in my life I would go I would love to go back to school 
to the actual campus. And it's just a total different experience, I think. Also, college is completely different from high school. My my sister, she's a, a freshman in high school. She does, doesn't want to go back. She's right. fine with it. Right. But me and my other sister, uh, we both attend UTEP. And we do miss campus. So I think it's also that sense of community that the UTEP um, campus creates, the UTEP people, professors, peers, events that makes us want to be there. So it is funny, but uh, I do miss going to school. Yeah, but I see as you're talking, uh, of course, we're going to do this on the on our podcast and on our uh, on the air. But as I, I see as you're talking, there's a cat in the background playing with all your stuff getting into lots of trouble. I bet your cat is very happy that you're <laughs> that you're always home. <laughs> yes, I, I think they're going to have some sort of a separation oh. anxiety when we go back to our routines. Be careful because, where yeah. they express themselves. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because uh, the cats do spend a lot of time with me. Yeah. So they're always in my room. Right. So, I mean, even the pets, I think um, their routines have changed. So everything changed. This whole pandemic really flipped our lives upside down, I think, for a little. Right. And and yeah, it's going to be quite crazy to go back. And Eliana, as I as I uh, talk to you, I see your uh, your office in your apartment or house in Mexico City. I see musical equipment. I see all kinds of equipment, very professional podcasting equipment, because I know you have your own podcast. I mean, you can tell us a little bit about that uh, later. But do you... Do you kind of are, are you kind of like happy that you get to stay home or would or would you rather have moved all that stuff and 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 been here in El Paso? No, I, I would much rather be over there because um, it's really it's been a, a real challenge to work uh, at my house and with two kids uh, mm-hmm. without school because we've been without schools for a year now in in Mexico City. So it's been really hard to study, work, and be a mom all in the same space. I would much rather go to school, go to campus, and have that time and space for myself. Eliana, you studied communication from the University of uh, Iberoamericana. Is that in Mexico City? Yeah, that's in Mexico City. And so you have your your degree there from there, but you also have uh, some creative writing degree that you've done at the Sociedad General de Escritores de Mexico. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's right. Um, I I studied communication. Uh, I I always loved literature, but I also uh, liked um, screenwriting and all the, the, the visual arts. So I studied communication first. But then I, I went to, to the creative writing at Sohem because I, I always felt that my, my place was writing. So that's what I studied. Great. And, and you, uh, you mostly write poetry and, and, and creative nonfiction. Yeah, that's right. That's my, my, what I like to, to write most. And uh, Claudia, you are uh, mostly a fiction writer and a, and a creative nonfiction writer. Yes, that's right. Um, I graduated from UTEP um, in 2019 from multimedia journalism. And I think something that I like about nonfiction is it allows me to use facts or fact-based information and turn it into a story and add something creatively, which is something that I can do in journalism. So I think that I've found some comfort in nonfiction that it allows me to mix both of my passions, I would say, which is journalism and writing. 
So yeah, and you've already, it, it is pretty fun. You've already been to UTEP, so you've already known some of the professors and uh, you know the campus very well. You know what it is that you're, you're you can picture what it is you're missing. Whereas Ileana, yes, you probably yes. can only picture through pictures, through photos that you see. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me assure you, Ileana, it is the most lovely place in the world. You will think you're in paradise. Oh, I want to be there already. <laughs> it might be a little disappointment with the culinary options, having come from Mexico City, one of the best food cities in the entire world. But it's, got, it's, it's a unique place. One of the things that I used to do, you guys are first-year students, and I was really happy to be one of your very first contacts and, um, and like I said, I'm very, very honored that I get to work with both of you because you're incredibly uh, creative and intelligent. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I'd like to do for first year students when they arrive from Colombia or from Peru or from uh, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, Iowa, however the hell you say it, isn't that funny? The one thing I can't pronounce is an American, a US state. But when they come from all over the place, I usually take them out to lunch uh, to meet them for the first time. I invite faculty and Carla Gonzalez, our, our um, administrative assistant, to the L&J Cafe. And the L&J Cafe is a very El Paso place. I don't care if you're from Mexico City or any part of Mexico, it's not like Mexican restaurants you would see over there. It's very El Paso, very border. And, um, and of course, if you're from Colombia or something, it's a unique experience. But I didn't get a chance to do that with you guys. Uh, and I'm wondering what, how it feels to be a part of a community yet to, at the same time, not be able to be a part of that community. Well, it's, it's, I think it's not so easy. Um, uh, for me, I, I have felt this distance, no? It's like you're part of, but you're not physically there. You haven't met in person. So it has like a strange feeling of, of belonging. Um, but in the other hand, on the other hand, um, this has been a, a difficult year. And having this community, even though it is uh, distant, it has uh, uh, given me Tierra, like something to, to ground on, you know? So it's been important for me. It makes everything have more sense. Wow, that's interesting. It gives you tierra, which is, you know, literally yeah. earth, ground, yet at the same time, the tierra is metaphorical. That's right. <laughs> so it, it gives you, yeah, that's, it gives you the, uh, the essence of tierra, but not the material, the matter that makes it. Exactly. That seems to be maybe even more important than... Than, than the actual grounding on earth. Um, when you uh, were accepted and you were able to get here, you were the exception because you're US citizens and you're from Ciudad Juarez, which, and, and citizens from Ciudad Juarez are able to come to the university uh, at, at here at, at, at UTEP as citizens. So there wasn't much trouble, but there were a lot of students from different parts of the world, different uh, nationalities uh, that could not get here and then had to delay for a year. Um, and uh, there are a lot of students who are second year students also in that situation who are from different countries 
and were not able to get back when they went on vacation or were not able to leave uh, their apartments here in El Paso. Have you gotten to know any of these students? I know you there, you share classes with them, but have you got to know any of them? And what is it that you think makes your experience different? Um, I mean, we've met through Zoom. Um, I've had uh, a couple of meetings here and there with some of them. And it's really interesting because we are creating like this bond, this sort of friendship without really getting to know each other, how we look each other like in person, because it's very different. Like we have different perceptions of the other day in class. We were um, saying like, okay, so what is your height? Like just to have like an idea of how we would look in person. So it is very different. I think from my class, the only one that I've met before, I think it was Marisol. And that's because mm -hmm. she's also from this area. Yeah. And that's also because um, I think we shared a poetry class back in undergrad. Because when, when we got to meet uh, through the MFA, I was like, I feel like I know you. And then she told me, I feel like I know you. And so I guess uh, we had a class together, but I mean, the classes uh, in undergrad are, are a little bit bigger. So probably we didn't get to really talk or something or sit on, on opposite sides of the desk or I don't know. But um, I mean, I'm excited to really go back and really get to meet these people. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get to meet some of the third year students. I know Edgar, for example, that he's in Tijuana and he was telling us the other day that he was a little bit melancholic because he's about to leave. So I'm not sure if I'm, I'm going to be able to get to meet him in person. But I mean, I was glad that we had this experience, at least via Zoom. Yeah. And ultimately, I think there'll be other there'll be literary events in the future where you might run into a lot of the third year students who are returning to their countries. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this project that you're doing. Uh, it's a, it's a, it, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, project. Uh, can, well, let, I'll let you talk. Tell us about what you're doing with everybody's, everybody's stories. Yes. Um, so the idea was to create this chat book in order to pretty much as writers see how we were doing and write our experiences and how the pandemic had changed um, even our writing, right? Or our spaces. I'm the kind of person that really needs to just be in a space that's not home in order to write something. So being <laughs> stuck at home all day in my room as uh, an office, school and bedtime, it was kind of crazy. So it, it did. A wait, wait, wait. You, you write only in other places other than home? Yes. A, a park. Yeah. I usually write at parks. I like going to a park and just like I, I take my laptop or just a notebook and a pencil and I scramble things around. Yeah. That's, wow. that's kind of wow. how it works. <laughs> yeah. You had to learn how to write differently. Yes. So it, it did affect my process and I'm sure that it affected the process of all, all writers. So that's why we created this chat book in order to see how they were doing. Also, like we were, like you were mentioning in the beginning, we have students who are from Colombia, Costa Rica, Peru. So it was also about learning from their experiences as uh, international students stuck here in El Paso, or if I know other people who left El Paso and went back to their countries. Um, I know some of them are in Mexico, for example. We we talk about Edgar, who's in Tijuana. So. We have a lot of stories about patience. We have stories about grief. We have stories about immigration. And it is 
It is insane because honestly, I, I, I don't think we ever imagined that the pandemic would have this much of an impact or we, or it would make us reflect on things that we didn't think about before. So I think this chapbook really reflects those experiences. And I think that people can really connect with the stories that we have in this book. Right, right. Yeah, a lot of our, our students, the second and third year students, uh, were either stuck outside of Paso, uh, El Paso or stuck in El Paso. But either way, it almost felt like the word stuck is appropriate. With Edgar, he was in Tijuana and he couldn't get back to El Paso, but he had an apartment where he lived alone and that apartment stayed dark. And he writes about it very beautifully in that essay that you published, that you guys are publishing in this book. What's, what's the name of the book? Can we can we establish that? Yeah, the name of the book is Toda esta distancia, All This Distance. Okay, and so Edgar was an example of somebody who was stuck in Tijuana, but there were people stuck here. Like uh, what stories of some of the students from abroad that were stuck here stroke, uh, strike you the most? Well, for example, I really like the, the piece uh, Maria Isabel Pachon wrote. Her text is called Adentro. And it's a beautiful text um, where she describes her days in lockdown with only her cat, no? So <laughs> she writes day through day being alone and, and just seeing her cat. And it's a, it's a beautiful piece. These are excerpts of Interior, Within Us, the first chapter of the book Toda Esta Distancia, All This Distance, read by its authors. Mi nombre es Ana Mariela de Velázquez Farfán. Estoy en segundo año del MFA in Creative Writing y voy a leer un fragmento de esta pieza que se titula Mole. De niña, iba corriendo a esconderme cada vez que alguien tocaba el timbre de la casa. Repito el gesto. Me oculto detrás de la puerta de madera de mi cuarto. El espejo de cuerpo entero está en el mismo lugar. También las camas gemelas, donde dormíamos mi hermana y yo. En lugar de la televisión, Está la computadora de mi papá. Es lo único que encuentro cambiado. Mi mamá deja un vaso de jugo de naranja y una torta de huevos sobre el mueble de la computadora. Mientras yo me baño, quito el cansancio, la mugre de 21 horas de camino. Es el tiempo que se hace desde Ciudad Juárez hasta San Luis Potosí en autobús. Desayuno una torta de huevo fría. Hago una videollamada a mamá para darle las gracias. Reverbera nuestras voces. Se impacienta. Se acerca a la puerta de madera. Hablamos así, con una puerta entre nosotros. Se trepa en la cama. Luego mi regazo, sudesta mi pecho y ronronea. Me saca de Twitter. Me recuerda que existe no fuera, que ahí está la vida. Las redes sociales me desconectan de lo que pasa alrededor mío. Pero también, en este momento, son lo único que me conecta con lo que sucede afuera de la casa en la que habito. Llegó para rescatarme exactamente una semana después de que decretaran la cuarentena. Me oyó hasta que le abrí la puerta. ¿Rescatarme de qué? De mí misma, de mis pensamientos, de mi adentro. Adentro por María Isabel Pachón, tercer año. So if I'm content with only their snores, I see your loving and their care and that my life is replete with no more bores. Near ten years we've been out with our analogs. 
Engaged nearly five, postponed due to COVID. Tell me, darling, has our marriage gone to the dogs? This is from Doggone Days Are Gone. My name is Pauline Koo and I'm a first year MFA student. Solía ir al buzón tres veces al día. Desde que caí enferma, ya no recibo cartas imaginarias. El buzón y mi pecho se han clausurado de improviso. Alguien lo cerró y arrojó la llave Dios sabe dónde. Soy Noraya Coyuretito, del segundo año del MFA. Mi texto se titula Mailbox 415 W. Yandel Drive. How did you, how did you gather all these together? What did you tell the writers, and how did how did the whole book come 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 about? So basically, we sent out an email um, asking them to write a story of about five to ten pages, and send it to me. And once we got all the stories, we started to organize the text, and we were thinking about titles, subtitles, or a way that we could actually connect the the stories in the book through the title. And I think it was <laughs> it, it was crazy because we were actually uh, thinking and rethinking and thinking again um, about the title because we weren't sure how we wanted to name it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that all this distance was really appropriate because even if we are here in El Paso, I live here in El Paso and I'm here at home, there's a, a huge distance between Ileana and I who work together pretty much every day And I feel that these stories really reflect that. Mm -hmm. And and it's very interesting because even, for example, um, I know the story um, that uh, Sergio Godoy, he turned in about going to Juarez and not being able to come back to El Paso, right? right. Having all his paperwork in, in order and everything. And that same situation happened to me um, last year. Wow. So I really connected with that story and I was like, I'm not the only one who's going through it, you know, when I thought maybe this is just happening to me for, for God's sake, or I don't know. Mm -hmm. But then I realized reading um, Sergio's stories or uh, Edgar's stories, you know, that it's not only me. So I think that even that sense of community that we are from the border city and this happening to us, um, it's, I mean, it's just not one person. It's, it's for many, many of us. Right. And there's a kind of a nuance to the story uh, of, uh, that Sergio wrote in that he he's not from Juarez. He's not even Mexican. He's from he's from Bogota, Colombia. And he crossed over with his girlfriend to go, I think, to go visit her grandmother. And when he tried to cross back to his own apartment, they wouldn't let him in. And they said, you're going to have to stay here till the pandemic's over. Man, what kind of panic that must have been. I mean, what's he going to do? Where is he going to stay? Yeah, right? it's insane because that same situation happened to me and they told me the same thing. Like, you're not coming back until the pandemic is over. Um, although I told them I have a house in El Paso. I live in El Paso. You know, my family is in El Paso. I have pets in El Paso. Like, I can leave my <laughs> dogs and cats alone. And they didn't care. And they didn't care. And what we did is that we, I actually contacted UTEP and... They kind of gave me gave us a sheet of paper where it said that we could actually cross, oh, cross over to to El Paso back, and what we did is that we went through another bridge. And sometimes it just depends on the person who's really um, on charge at that moment. Right, right. That yeah, can make a huge difference. On, and, and sometimes it even depends on the mood that they're in. Mm -hmm, it's so exactly. Arbitrary. It's awful. So 
that's really it. How did you ultimately, how long did it take you to get, uh, to, to, to cross um, when they tried to stop you? It took me about two days. So my sister and I, we wow. went to the dentist and we had to stay at a hotel because the house that we had in Juarez, it was rented at the time. So we didn't have a place to stay. And then the pandemic was, was, um, was on a peak. So we couldn't go to my grandma's house. So we had to rent it a hotel room. That's what we did. Uh, and we stayed there wow, for two that's, days. That's quite, that's quite a story. That's yeah, quite a it story. is. It's so crazy. Many stories, so <laughs> yeah. many stories come out of this. You know, I was chair the summer that it happened, right? And we didn't know how it was going to affect our graduate students, not only the incoming ones like you, but suddenly we get this directive from the U.S. government uh, as demanded by Donald Trump that said any international student, any anybody on a student visa cannot take 100% remote classes and still be uh, uh, and, and, and keep their visa rights, right? They're gonna be deported basically is what he was saying. And with a lot of universities in, in ours specifically going 100% remote, there was no way you could not be 100% remote. And so our, our students panicked, of course. I mean, what are they gonna do? Are they gonna be able to finish? Are they gonna be able to uh, continue uh, uh, their TA ship? Did you... You weren't here when that panic was going on, but have you heard about it? And have you, how do you think, what have you heard about how students were able to deal with that kind of uncertainty? Well, that's something Sergio Godoy also talks in, in his text, because uh, having had this experience that was so intense, then came this um, thing by Donald Trump. And so he, for the second time, felt that his staying in in United States was uh, uncertain. So he, he felt like totally tired of, of uh, not feeling like secure there. And also his family was worried. And I, I can only imagine the, 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 the stress of, of going through that, no? Yeah, and I remember when it first happened, I was, as chair, I had no idea what to do, none whatsoever, because this was a directive that didn't come from the dean of the School of Liberal Arts or even the provost and the president of the university, but from the U.S. government. And there was really absolutely nothing I could do if it were going to be law. But the interesting thing is there was absolutely no way for me to communicate with administration because they didn't know what to do. Wow. They had, you know, they had never heard of it either. These are excerpts of Paisajes Desiertos, Deserted Landscapes, the second chapter of the book Toda Esta Distancia, All This Distance, read by its authors. People ask if you've had any inspiration, any new ideas to write while you have so much free time. Time has turned into a paradox since those first two weeks back in March when you felt dangerously close to the edge of a precipice. You wrote too much, yet those words said too little, and the clock got stuck like you did in your writing. Writing becomes your only tool to build a bridge towards empathy for those who grieve, those in the front lines at hospitals and essential jobs, working hard. My name is Marisol Adame, the title of my piece is Pandemic Loop, and I'm a first year student at the MFA program. 
No miento al decir que tengo miedo. Miedo de que mis padres contraigan este virus y pensar que hay posibilidades de que ocurra lo peor. Tengo miedo de no estar vacunada y de que si regreso a clases, falla a contraer el virus y llevarlo a casa. Tengo miedo de que la gente, un año después del inicio de la pandemia, aún no comprende la gravedad del problema. Mi nombre es Claudia Flores, el nombre de mi pieza es Carta al Mundo y soy estudiante de primer año. También nos dedicamos a ver telenovelas brasileñas en pijamas y discutir sobre el futuro, porque discutirlo era aferrarnos a su posibilidad. Y al caer la noche nos abrazábamos, echados en la cama, los gatos a nuestros pies, sus equipos rodeando. Y al fin dormíamos, con un sueño que yo, al menos, no tenía desde una época más inocente. Una buena tarde para pasear, Eric Fernández Pozo, segundo año. Al día siguiente tenía mi vuelo a Juárez. Esa noche soñé que entraba al apartamento, que estaba lleno de pedazos de tela, ramas y paja. El aire acondicionado había sido arrancado y había un hoyo en la pared por donde entraba agua de alguna tubería rota. La luz del atardecer entraba por el agujero y cuando me acerqué a él, una parvada de pájaros alzó el vuelo. En menos de un segundo se perdieron en la rojiza luz naranja del cielo. Fragmento del relato Paraíso C. Soy Edgar Aguilar Araos, del tercer año del MFA en Escritura Creativa. ¿Qué sobre los estudiantes que realmente se víctimas de COVID-19? ¿Tienen historias? ¿Tienen algunos de nuestros escritores experimentado eso? Sí, creo que tenemos cuatro textos de autores que tuvieron covid For example, I can think of the text of Noraya Coyure. Um, she got COVID and she was talking her apartment in El Paso. She's from Peru. And well, she narrates how she found out she had COVID um, making rice and she put a lot of salt in it and she realized she didn't taste anything, no? So, and also she didn't want, want her parents to find out because she didn't want them to, to be worried. And... Also, there's the, the text of um, author Eric Fernandez Pozo. He's from Peru also, and he was also in their apartment in El Paso. And, well, he tells about how, um, well, they obviously couldn't go out. And some nice ladies from her, from his English class brought them food and other things to get by. And I can think also of the text of uh, Alaide Ventura, She goes back to her home in, in, in Jalapa, Veracruz, and she gets COVID. So she, she tells all about it. And I really love at the end, she gives, um, like a list of symptoms, uh, of having COVID, but she does it with metaphors. So. Even though she, she really feels awful, uh, these, these descriptions have a lot of humor in it. So, so you can really get a feeling of what it means to, to have COVID. Yeah, there was one, uh, one of the, uh, the MFA candidates that contributed to this. You mentioned her, Noraya. She's from Peru and she wrote, uh, one of the details that I just found stunning was she said when she first got COVID, it felt like a bear was sitting on her chest. And she says, but you know, I can deal with it. You know, I'll deal with the bear sitting on my chest. But by the next day, it was a whole family of bears. Yeah. <laughs> on the chest. So, 
some really beautiful writing in 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 this. I was you guys gave me a, an advanced copy and um, some really beautiful writing. Uh, what once you get this all together, tell us the timeline. Tell us what's going to happen with it, and if anybody wants a copy of it, what can they do to get one? So the book is going to come around the last week of April, hopefully uh, beginning of May. And at the moment, it's going to be um, only distributed by the creative writing department. So you can guys email me and or email the department and you can pick up a, a free copy because the book is going to be free uh, on the office of the department, which opens on UN first. You can also email me, Dan Chacon at utep.edu, and I can forward it to uh, to, to you guys, the editors, uh, to get a copy. But it should be available after June 1st. And it will be for free, but you need to get a copy quickly because I think this is going to run out. You guys are putting out a book. You call it a chat book, but I don't like that term chat book because I, I read it. It's a book. It's not a chat book. It's a, it's a full text and it's, and it's beautiful. Um, how do you plan on promoting it? Is it going to be virtual events or are you going to, uh, how well, are you, you going to get it out there? We have a virtual event coming up. It's the Feria del Libro de la Frontera in Ciudad Juarez. And um, we're going to, to present there the, the book. We'll have a, a, a panel where the, some of the authors will be reading their, their texts. And also there is a thing that I think it's, it's really great that uh, all the, the 16 authors will um, film themselves uh, reading their texts and the, the, the feria will be um, showing those videos all along the, the, during the week that the feria is going on. So I think that's, that's a really nice space to be in. These are excerpts of MAPAS, MAPS, the third chapter of the book Toda esta distancia, All This Distance, read by its authors. Coming to the U.S. to finish high school after my dad got accepted to the residential creative writing program at UTEP in 2009 changed my life. Any superficial influence America had over my life became tangible. For better and worse, it left a mark in me. As I returned 10 years later, the memories were still alive, and with them, the sense of wanting to belong. The other side of that was, of course, the feeling of being an outsider, a visa holder, a person whose status is conditional, whose future is uncertain. When the COVID-19 pandemic started, I was already working through my feelings about being back in the US. Did I want to belong? Did I feel comfortable here? Would I consider a future away from my country and my family and friends? Would I be betraying my country, a place full of heartache and pain that I wish I could, I could single-heartedly change? Would I ever stop hurting from the violence that so many of my countrymen endure? Would the each of having the privilege to be away from Colombia ever stop? Uh, title is Still Recovering. I'm Sergio Andres Godoy Prieto, and I'm a second year student. Avanzamos por la ruta interestatal 10 hacia el este a 60 millas por hora. No es nada. 60 millas por hora es casi nada. 
tenemos las ventanas bajas y el aire acondicionado está apagado y estoy tratando de recordar por qué, cuál era la causa por la que Podrillar no llevaba el aire acondicionado encendido mientras cruzaba aquel otro desierto norteamericano. Mi nombre es Inés Gallo, estoy en segundo año y el título de mi texto es No Esencial. Sunday, February 14th, 2021. Valentine's Day. Not a fan. After hours of neurotic nitpicking, not to mention frantic syllable counting, my sonnet, latest and last of weekly assignments, finally feels as finished as it's going to get. And with a growing sense of relief, I at last submit it. Within minutes of the deadline, though, no surprise there. My lower back is killing me. And the space between my eyes is apparently chosen this evening to coalesce into a single throbbing mass of hypersensitivity, much like myself. I have to be up early for work tomorrow, but don't feel drowsy so much as anxiously exhausted, yet somehow unable to relax. I can think of only one solution, and, like always, it is cheap and unhealthy. As I melt into the off-brand bliss of my first canned margarita of the evening, I look out at the blanket as though that's been steadily spreading, smoothing, and rising since yesterday evening. Postcards from over the edge. Surviving the age of indifference. Jagger Phillips, first year. Los ataques de pánico y los infartos comparten gran parte de su sintomatología. El cuerpo se agita, transpira, palpita, tiembla. El cerebro, abrumado, se marea y pierde agencia. Nos volvemos circuitos eléctricos en modo ahorrador. Sin embargo, durante un ataque de pánico, el dolor en el pecho es punzante y se localiza en medio del tórax, mientras que en el infarto se siente con opresión. Es importante distinguirlos para poder recibir la ayuda adecuada. Este consejo es tan útil como el del médico que te recuerda que el descanso y una mente quieta son el mejor remedio contra esa enfermedad potencialmente mortal que padeces. Soy Alaide Ventura Medina, estudiante del segundo año del MFA in Creative Writing de UTEP, y este texto se llama Bosque de Niebla Mental. At the table, I don't remember you or even my own body. The curled back concretizing this time in my bones as the fingers hover, able to stretch only as far as is unnoticeable. Inform nothing, only tap, tap, tap. Monotonous motion, what memory is this building in my DNA? I'm Sarah Hoban and I'm a first year student and that was from my poem In Those Places Made for Memory. Recuerda aquel libro con el que empezó mi relación angustiosa con los microorganismos. Se llamaba Atlas de Enfermedades Infecciosas. Era de pasta dura blanca con tres bacterias en la portada, conectadas por sus flagelos largos y finos. El libro me causaba mucha ansiedad y por eso mi madre terminó por esconderlo. Aún así lo buscaba, por el morbo que provocan las cosas prohibidas. Soy Ileana Pichardo Urrutia, estudiante de primer año. Mi texto se titula Pequeña Perseverancia. Oh, so you asked the writers to actually record themselves reading their work. That, that's that's going to be awesome. When does the Feria de Libros start? Yeah, the book fair goes from the 21 to the 30th of May. Well, that's great. So let me ask you, uh, the both of you, uh, putting all this stuff together, what was the experience like? 
It was a great experience, to be honest. I love the process of editing. I think you really get to know people through their stories, or at least if we don't know them personally, you get to know them a little bit better. And it is chaotic at times. It was a bit chaotic. It was exhausting. It was stressful. But I think in the end, when we finally got to see sort of the draft of what we created, what we put together, it was very satisfying. Eliana? Well, yeah, I feel very fortunate to have the opportunity to work in this book. It was a great experience. I loved it. And also, it was a way to get to know the authors through their texts. I admired them not only for their work, but for what they had to, to overcome. Right. And... I think it is also an important work because it is a kind of archive of these times. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a difficult year, but at the end, reading these stories, you can see we are not that different from each other. Right, right. Well, um, it's a beautiful book. I can't wait to actually hold it in my hand. Like I said, I've been reading the PDF and uh, it's, it's, I think, uh, It's not over-exaggerating to say not only is it a great book, a great great works of, of literature, but it's also, I think, a, a historical document that uh, that will have meaning for us uh, even in the next generation. So thank you, too, for putting this together. I've been talking to Ileana Pichardo Urrutia and Claudia Flores, uh, editors of the new journal it's a bilingual journal some stuff in english some stuff in spanish just like our program 100 bilingual called toda esta distancia thank you for joining me on another edition of words on a wire i'd like to thank my guest iliana pichardo urrutia and Claudia Flores, and I celebrate the great work they're doing with this pandemic book made up of stories, poems, reflections of our creative writers. If you want a copy of this book, just email me and I'll make sure you get the information on how to pick one up. I'm Daniel Chacon, and we'll see you next time on Words on a Wire. Mm -hmm.